Welcome to the Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history podcast, a series exploring the rich, nuanced history of Grambling State University, the city of Grambling, and the people who make it. This series is a collaborative project between students and faculty of the History Department of Grambling State University, as well as faculty from the University of Arkansas. The Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history project, has been made possible in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities in partnership with the Social Science Research Council. Additional funding was provided by the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Social Science Research Council, or the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. My name is Dr. Edward Holtz. I am the head of the History Department, and I am pleased to be here today with Dr. Obadiah Simmons. Good morning, Dr. Simmons. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Good morning. Uh, glad to do it. Very glad to do it. To get started, maybe you can give us a little bit of a, a background about yourself. Okay. Glad to. I am a uh, graduate of Grambling State University. I came here in the fall of 1971 as a uh, major in secondary education, health, physical education, and safety education was my area. I played baseball here at Grambling State University. Uh, at that time, the late... Uh, uh, president uh, Ralph Waldo em- Emerson Jones was the uh, head coach as well as the president, which was uh, quite of uh, an experience in itself. Had a great time here. Lived at, at the time that I attended Grambling State University, uh, the dorms were not co-ed; they were separate. Men's uh, men stayed on uh, the uh, I guess would be the east side of the campus. The women dorms were located on the west side of the campus, divided by Main Street and uh, uh, a number of structures uh, at that time that were still on the campus included the uh, old army barracks on the men's side. Uh, There were some high-rise dorms available. There were two in in the men's area, Pinchback Hall and Drew Hall, Uh, and then over on the women's side, Martha Adams Hall, Jones Hall, and Wheatley Hall. But I had a great experience uh, coming in 1971. This is... uh, this whole area, actually, North Louisiana, was my, my parents' home. My mom and dad both attended Grambling State University. My mother finished uh, in 1953. Uh, so I am a second-generation <laughs> Grambling uh, alumni. And, uh, but had a, had a great time. I would come here. We would come to Louisiana every summer. That was our vacation. And so I had a chance to visit the campus on occasion to visit and get a get an eye uh, eye full of the campus even before starting so I was familiar with the campus at that time but uh, a great experience uh, finished here in, in December 74 finished a semester early uh, went on to graduate school at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill did my master's work there and uh, part of uh, the consent decree was uh, a graduate program uh, Afforded uh, to both Grambling faculty at Grambling and, and Southern Universities at the time to go back and work on their doctorate. So that's how I ended up uh, going and uh, earning my doctorate degree at Texas A&M University over in College Station. So, uh, but great experience. That's pretty much uh, an overview of my background. Uh, met my wife here at Grambling <laughs> in 1973, and we've been together ever since. Uh, she's from South Louisiana. And we have three children, two have finished from Grambling. Our daughter from uh, went to LSU. She felt that uh, 
we were in the country uh, up here, so she wanted to get a more broader experience. But uh, she went on to LSU, finished there. So uh, we have uh, three grandchildren and uh, two boys and a, a girl. So that's a little bit about me. One of the things I'd like to pick up on is, so you had a unique experience. Most people experienced Pres Jones as the president of the university, but you had these dual hats and that dealt with him. And so I was wondering, what was President Jones like as a coach? He was, uh, he was very passionate about baseball. That was his game. And baseball was his team. And uh, he cared quite a bit about uh, all of the student athletes, uh, all of those who played baseball for him. Of course, he, he uh, experienced a great deal of success in the uh, 60s. I think that's when uh, the Grambling baseball team went on and uh, won uh, some championships, etc. So by the time we came along, I think he was nearing the end of his 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 tenure, and I think we probably uh, our squads probably gave him more headaches than <laughs> anything else. Uh, but it was a great experience. He was uh, an interesting individual. He was able. Uh, I was amazed how he was able to balance uh, the work of the university, his uh, leadership, and work with uh, the higher ed community in general. Uh, throughout higher education, and then have the time to devote to the uh, athletic programs. Of course, he was interested in all athletic programs, but baseball was his pet, and he wanted to uh, uh, nurture that area, and uh, kind of hard to let go, I guess. But, uh, of course, when he came, uh, I think you all know the story. In 1926, he was given the charge of uh, not only developing a band, but an athletic program for, for the university. And so he did it all when we initially started uh, until, uh, I guess, uh, as, as history goes, when 1941 came along and he employed the services of uh, the late Coach Robinson. And uh, uh, as they say, uh, the, the story continues from that point on. But he, from, from the get-go, baseball was his love and his passion. And, of course, when uh, Prez stepped down from that, he was uh, followed by another legend with, with Coach Ellis. In the 70s, did you have a chance to work with Coach Ellis as, as an assistant coach? Uh, ab- absolutely. When I came on board, uh, I joined the squad uh, in the spring of 72. Coach Ellis was the assistant baseball coach at that time and had been. And so uh, when, when uh, President uh, Jones retired, uh, Coach Ellis was named the head baseball coach, and of course, uh, you'll hear more about that from him. But uh, yes, I did know Coach Ellis uh, as the assistant coach at that time when I came on board. And do you have a favorite memory from your your time as a baseball player? Maybe a particular uh, place you traveled to, a particularly memorable memorable game. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, memories, good memories. Uh, I know that everywhere we played, every every school we went, especially throughout the SWAC, uh, you know how fans typically uh, uh, send uh, or give you a lot of attitude, etc. Especially the opposing team. But Prez would always tell us, "said Look, you all, you need to be gentlemen, uh, be polite, uh, display sportsmanship." Don't worry about what's going on over there. And uh, every uh, every year, every away game, when we return to Grambling, coming off the interstate, back into Grambling, we all had to sing the school song. And I remember that vividly. 
every I don't care where we went. I don't know if it, even if it was a turnaround trip, a game over at Alcorn. That's a turnaround trip, short trip, or over up to uh, UAPB or whatever the case be, may be. But as soon as uh, we hit exit 81 coming into Grambling, old Grambling, we had to uh, sing that song. So I remember that uh, among um, the many things that we actually uh, were engaged in and involved. And so coming back onto campus, you know, in the, the 70s, obviously campus looked slightly different than today. But what was your experience like as a student? What was campus like, the environment? Uh, at that time, uh, the, the campus uh, uh, was not as expansive as it is now. Uh, I still remember the old peach orchard uh, on campus to the, to the west of us where the uh, School of Nursing building is currently located, the uh, Performing Arts uh, Center, the stadium. All of that area was nothing but fields. They had an old dairy here at the university. But there was a lot of wooded area uh, around the campus. Uh, there was no four-lane coming in through the campus, R.W.E. Jones. Uh, drive LA 149, I guess it is. Uh, that was two lane. There was no uh, overpass from the interstate. We we came from uh, the interstate uh, as it is now, but we made the left turn uh, because there was no overpass at that time and actually uh, turned left and then came, made a right turn into on, on uh, Main Street in the village coming into the campus. That was the, the main throwaway. Uh, coming into the campus. But the dorms were separate. There were no co-ed dorms at the time. Uh, men stayed on the east side of the campus, women on the west side. There was a traffic light where the uh, student union uh, building is located. Now it's, it's expanded, of course, with the uh, bookstore and the, the uh, foyer and the other things. But it's a little bit different. Um, hotel there in the student union. Uh, a lot of people may not realize it, but uh, they had a hotel in the uh, student union second floor, and there were a number of <clears throat> people, excuse me, a number of people who were uh, here on the campus at that time, a lot of great, great people, great minds. Uh, I remember so many of the uh, faculty members and administrators that were here at that time. They were, they were some brilliant people. Uh, our department head, the late Dr. C.D. Henry, absolute genius. Uh, he was a mathematician by trade, and uh, but an outstanding athlete. I think he uh, attended uh, Philander Smith College up in Arkansas, um, but he was our department head, but a uh, brilliant man. 1974, as I was going out, I know there had been discussions about the university preparing to expand into graduate programs, um, and that came about later that, that year, but uh, uh, a number of things, so many things I, I can just talk about. Um, but the uh, dorms, uh, I think I had mentioned that uh, there were some ar old Army barracks on campus in the men's area. I remember those <laughs> quite a bit. I didn't stay in them, but uh, we, we stayed in, uh, uh, I think I stayed in all of the men's dorms at one point in time throughout my career here at the university. But a lot of good people, a lot of people who were uh, – caring, sincere, and really cared about us as students. Uh, it, was, uh, it was to their advantage to see us do well. And then speaking of the, the professors at that time, what can you say about your, sort of your classes, your memories about the professors? And maybe you could speak to an experience where those professors 
provided that encouragement or maybe the motivation? I I remember some of the uh, general education courses. Uh, The late, great uh, Dr. Malcolm Davis, uh, one of the English instructors, and one of the things that he would uh, do uh, during our uh, exams, and he always gave a spelling exam as part of his course, and he would walk around uh, during the exam, of course, uh, monitoring the class, and uh, if he looked over our shoulder and we misspelled a word, he would thump us in the back or something, and uh, I thought that was that was kind of unique. Other great professors, uh, the late Dr. Margaret Grant, I, who I had as a teacher, Dr. Dr. Ann Williams, Ann Smoke Williams, uh, because she she had a reputation of uh, letting students know why they were here, why they were their their purpose for attending, and uh, but they really took uh, an interest uh, in all of us. Uh, a lot of a lot of great faculty members, many that I miss Bessie, the late great uh, Miss Bessie Dickerson in English, uh, Dr. William Friday in history, very, uh, very unusual individuals, unique individuals, but uh, uh, very uh, knowledgeable and uh, knew their uh, content. And uh, so I I remember that quite vividly, uh, a number of uh, faculty members who were on the top of their game, so to speak. But it it was a great experience during uh, my time here at the university. Part of the motivation from teachers is certainly inspiring students to uh, strive for, ask for, demand. And in the 70s, it's certainly an era where students were, were demanding things. And we have an incident on on campus in the 70s, 72, when there's a student protest. Uh, and I was wondering sort of what, what memories you have from, from that student protest. Uh, it, it was kind of interesting. I do recall uh, an episode where uh, there was some student unrest uh, on campus, and uh, we had just finished fall practice, and we were coming to, to the dining hall to eat our meal, supposedly, and lo and behold, when we got there, we saw uh, students uh, kind of uh, going in and out of the, the dining hall at will, uh, protesting, uh, had a, a small demonstration in, in the street there. And uh, it was some uh, uh, very trying times at that time. I remember going back to our dorm later that evening, and uh, one of our former uh, deans of men, uh, the late uh, Clyde Wilson uh, was standing out in front of his uh, dorm, uh, and he had uh, his hunting jacket on and a hunting cap and a rifle in his hand, and he was just saying there, and we asked him, says, Dean, what's going on? He says, well, I'm just uh, out here on alert, just uh, just in case. And uh, But he was uh, very uh, mindful, very watchful, uh, to ensure that nothing took place at, at our dorm uh, that evening. But it, it, was, uh, it was a kind of a busy time, uh, interesting time uh, during that time. But that, that's one episode that I vividly remember going to the dining hall, hoping to get a meal and uh, complete chaos, students in and out, uh, going through the dining hall, uh, destruction of uh, some of the property windows, et cetera. So it was kind of chaotic, but uh, uh, we were still safe. It was manageable. It was not totally out of control where you had people coming in from uh, outside or anything like that. But uh, a very strange and very unique 
time period. As as a student, did you see any changes that came about because of that unrest, because of the protests? I did. I, I think the administration at that time, you have to understand at the times that we were in, early, uh, the, the late, uh, early 70s, integration is taking place. The university administration is dealing with something else, totally trying to maintain the integrity of the institution, but at the same time trying to monitor what students are, are doing on campus and trying to maintain some sense of order. So it was some interesting times, not only for Prez Jones, but his administration, the late, great Dr. Uh, Earl Lester Cole, uh, a brilliant academician, uh, vice president of the uh, university at that time, the college. And uh, he really had a knack for uh, maintaining the academic integrity of the entire institution. And uh, from time to time, Individuals like Dr. Cole and, and others would, would encourage students uh, to do their very best uh, at all times to carry uh, themselves, especially talking to the young men, to carry themselves. Uh, the late, great Coach uh, Robinson uh, would often talk to uh, all students, not just uh, football players uh, and, and those that he meeting had charge over, but he, he would talk to all of us uh, on occasion to encourage us to, again, uh, be mindful of who we are, what we're there about, what we're to do, and to perform at our very level best at all times. So uh, it, it was some uh, very good times. Uh, I have a, a lot of fond memories of uh, not only being a student but my early role uh, when I had the opportunity to return to the university and to begin working, uh, working with a lot of great people who are no longer here. And one of those sort of motivating events or one of the ways to instill is uh, convocations. Of course, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of big names, very important thinkers coming. Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of thinkers or individuals that came during that time that stood out to you? Great question. I, I know at commencement, uh, uh, one of the officials from, uh, at that time, Ford Mortar Company came and, and gave our commencement address, but he was very inspiring uh, and to, to uh, kind of lay the groundwork for us and prepare us in going into the uh, corporate world and the world in general. Uh, but there, there were a number of people uh, that came during uh, the various uh, convocations, Lyceum programs, um, et cetera. So. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's hard to speak about Grambling State University without talking about the, the town of Grambling Grand and the village. And mm-hmm. so um, what was it sort of as a student and here sort of uh, when you came back as an administrator, as a faculty, what was the relationship with like the village and what was it like to, you know, go over and uh, have that as part of the wider uh, Grambling community? I had the good fortune of working with the uh, late uh, mayor of Grambling, uh, late uh, Benny T. Woodard, who uh, I was able to come back and work for a year for what was then uh, Lincoln uh, Total Community Action on a grant. And uh, I was assigned to the town of Grambling at that time. As the program developer, we were trying to uh, develop a uh, year-round park and recreation program for the uh, students. So I had a chance to uh, not only uh, write write for some grants, but uh, go with uh, Mayor Woodard to various meetings uh, uh, hosted by or, or, or uh, 
created by the Coordinating Development Council over in the Shreveport area. But uh, we would go to these meetings, and I had a chance to see see the town in a different light in terms of uh, its growth and development and um, things that we were trying to do to solidify the relationship between the town and the university uh, at that time. It, it was tough. Uh, but uh, they made they made things work where they could. Of course, Prez was concerned about uh, any liability that the uh, university would have in, in, with various activities. Uh, our our intent, or the mayor's intent, was to uh, try to reach out and take advantage of some of the uh, activities and facilities available uh, through the university to offer to. Uh, the people in the community, more so the children and uh, the youth in the community. So you, you mm-hmm. mentioned tensions, uh, potential tensions between mm-hmm. the university mm-hmm. and and the city. Do you feel like those were just liability issues, or what What do you think was uh, going on in that relationship between the university and the the town that obviously are so so connected together? My 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 impression was more so liability. Uh, of course, Perez was interested in. And, uh, to ensure that uh, the university did not overextend itself uh, or put itself in a compromising situation because he had to contend with people down in Baton Rouge, legislators, et cetera. Uh, and then uh, in terms of uh, Mayor Woodard, uh, again, his concern immediate was citizenry of uh, Grambling and to uh, try to identify some things that could work. Uh, that would work uh, for people in the community. So um, those are the types of of tensions that I speak about. Uh, Nothing other than, uh, or I I did not see anything that uh, tend to um, separate people, so to speak, or took them out of that that loop. It It was about relationships more than anything else. Yeah. Fantastic. I want to circle back to, to this hotel that you talked about in the student union. Maybe you can speak to us a little bit about, um, you know, the, the get, who, who was intended to be the guests? Were they intended to be students? that Or what, what else can you tell me about, about the hotel? I'm, I might be wrong, but it was uh, uh, at the time uh, it was for uh, various artists who would come to the campus to perform. Uh, student union uh, under... Uh, the late uh, Eddie Henderson, and, and they would bring uh, entertainers into the campus to perform. Uh, those rooms were reserved for uh, those individuals and, and perhaps some others uh, out-of-town guests. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite certain, but I do know and recall that uh, hotels, uh, the rooms available there were for uh, performing artists and, and guests uh, to the university. Fascinating. And then I guess moving forward uh, to when you you return, um, shortly after you return in in 1981, the consent decree comes about. And I was hoping uh, to hear you speak a little bit about what you saw as the 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 impact or what what happened, you know, when that announcement came forward about the consent decree. Okay, as as you well know, uh, and uh, back in 74, uh, when the U.S. uh, sued a, a number of states. Uh, Louisiana being one, but uh, instead of going with the uh, 16 states at that time throughout the South, uh, Louisiana 
ended up going or, or reaching a settlement agreement, uh, later referred to as the consent decree. Uh, Governor Romer at, at, at the time wanted uh, one of his big pet peeves was to develop a one super board to manage all of the colleges and universities, public colleges and universities throughout the state. Uh, Governor Edwards, who later came after Governor Romer, was uh, staunch on maintaining each of the current uh, uh, higher education boards, felt that uh, whatever we were going to do could be accomplished by maintaining the, the boards, uh, which was later accepted uh, as part of the consent decree. His concern was to ensure that both uh, or the argument was that uh, Grambling and Southern universities would uh, certainly receive uh, more resources to develop programs and facilities uh, to, to expand uh, their reach of other race students' uh, programs. So uh, as a result of that, the initial uh, consent decree in 81, uh, if I recall if my dates are correct, uh, we were able to, the university was able to um, get some new programs, uh, some later on some new facilities, et cetera, uh, as did Southern University. They were concerned about the development of programs in uh, certain regions of the state, uh, the uh, proximity issue between Grambling and Louisiana Tech, Ruston, New Orleans, Southern University, uh, New Orleans, as well as uh, UNO at that time that was part of the LSU system. Um, Shreveport, the campuses over in Shreveport, LSU campuses, as well as the Southern University campuses, and uh, the law schools in, in Baton Rouge, the LSU Law School, as well as the Southern University uh, Law School. So uh, we were able to maintain those uh, institutions, but the, the point being that uh, the intent was to uh, develop and attract uh, more other race students to uh, your various institutions through programs and, and uh, various uh, services facilities, which was done. Uh, but uh, there's still, uh, even now, there's still some discrepancy and, and disgruntlement about uh, what was actually achieved, what was not, uh, et cetera. But uh, the attempt was there. So that's, that uh, is what, what I recall one of the things that one of the programs here at Grambling uh, enabled me as a faculty member and others to go back and earn their uh, doctorate degree. And so uh, that's one thing that I recall vividly from the consent decree. Uh, uh, through uh, one of the programs, the university <clears throat> uh, was uh, allotted funds to send fa faculty back to uh, graduate school to earn their uh, degree, so I, along with several other faculty members, uh, took advantage of that. Uh, uh, the program at that time allotted, uh, you know, you could go away, uh, if you were accepted into a program, you can go away and receive uh, uh, three quarters of your salary full time to, to go back to school, which worked out great for me because uh, when I went over, I went to A&M and I was able to land in addition to uh, having the funding from the university, I was able to land a graduate research assistantship, uh, which made up the uh, difference from what I would have received from a full-time uh, salary. So, in essence, I didn't miss any money, so to speak, and um, was able to finish my degree. In One of the intents that you mentioned was this idea of desegregation. I was wondering about 
sort of the experience of other races on campus, maybe in the 70s or certainly, you know, in, in the wake mm-hmm. of the consent decree? As a, as a student in the early 70s, uh, there, were, there were some uh, white students here attending that I knew. There was occasion that you would see uh, relationships being developed, but I don't think it was um, a situation where the, it was uh, looked down upon. There were no issues at the time with uh, anyone that I recall uh, that perhaps uh, even developed a, a dating relationship between black and white. Uh, but I do recall that even during that time as a student, uh, there were some students who were here and that were engaged or uh, involved in, in relationships. When I returned in uh, 1980, I had the uh, good fortune to, to work with the late Archibald Morrow with the campus recreation program, and I began to see a number of uh, students uh, in, engaged in, in relationships. Again, nothing that uh, prevented them from having uh, a relationship between black and white students. It was not uh, completely uh, out, out front or anything like that, but uh, as I recall, there, was no, there were no issues uh, involving uh, students uh, who uh, dated outside of their race, et cetera. Uh, it was, again, a, we were a small campus, uh, but yet uh, big enough to know everybody on campus and everybody knew you. So uh, those who were affiliated with a student organization, so to speak, uh, tend to be more so in the limelight. And uh, people generally, and when I say people, uh, other students typically who saw this uh, generally accepted uh, their roles and, and uh, responsibilities of uh, dating uh, or whatever the case might be. So, And then sort of, I guess, moving, moving forward from that, you've uh, worn a number of hats, and you've worn some hats with athletics. And I actually want to ask about your uh, time working with, with the SPAC. I know that you have served. I don't know if you're still serving on it, but you've served in the past on the Hall of Fame uh, sort of nomination committee. And I was um, curious about what you saw as your sort of responsibility um, in in your work with that Hall of Fame committee. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ensure and attempted to do was to make sure that we recognized a lot of the former uh, Grambling State University athletes, student-athletes, who had some very successful careers. So uh, in my role as the representative for uh, GSU on that SWAC Hall of Fame committee, was to ensure that we put forth names of individuals and recognize uh, our own in terms of uh, some of the accomplishments that they had achieved. And I think, uh, to some degree, we we were able to do that, uh, uh, promoting several of our uh, former student-athletes who had uh, had brilliant careers at Gramlich State University. And so hopefully uh, that is uh, continuing but uh, that was uh, one of my primary roles. Uh, For our, our final two questions, I want to sort mm-hmm. of back out a little bit okay. and think in terms of the sort of duration of time here. So, you know, having started here in 71, still being here uh, in 2023 <laughs> and about to next year, you know, celebrate mm-hmm. that golden mm-hmm. grad mm-hmm. Uh, thing. What do you see as some of the, the biggest changes for the university over, over your time here? I think uh, some of the... Uh, challenges for the university is to remain, stay relevant uh, 
uh, to some of the current issues uh, in higher education to ensure that our students uh, are um, are on par with everything that's being afforded them through the higher ed experience, what I call. I think it's extremely important for all of our students to have what I, I believe a true undergraduate experience. Uh, in addition to going to class, uh, you're engaged in various activities that will supplement and or support your uh, your coursework. Uh, I'm not so um, bent on, uh, I guess, students uh, being entertained, so to speak, but to be engaged, to do those things that will help them along the way once they finish their uh, undergraduate uh, degree program. To, to The whole notion of volunteerism, I think, is important. Uh, I think we, we, if we can do things that will continue to keep them on the straight and narrow, uh, such as, as the volunteerism, if we can take advantage of, of programs that will benefit our students, things that will uh, give our faculty an opportunity to continue to develop professionally. I think those are the two most important things. Of course, uh, if there is an opportunity for the university to uh, build and, and, and uh, develop facilities that will enhance our overall, uh, not only our physical structure, but our, our ability to perform and continue to develop as an institution. I'm more concerned about that, that others that are coming into the campus come in with the uh, expertise to help us to move to certain levels, to get us into uh, the right direction, to move us into the right direction. I'm, I'm more concerned about, about that more than anything else. Um, Perfect. And as a, as a final question, you know, from the time that you came here in 71 until the president in 2023, um, obviously a lot of things have changed, but I'm sure there have some been some things that have remained the same. So I'd love to hear your opinion about what maybe has stayed consistent or what you see as sort of like a, an uh, essence of of Grambling that has remained the same uh, I, over the years. I, 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 I love our size. I love our population. We're, we're large, but we're not that large. Uh, you can literally get to know everyone on campus. I think as long as we keep keep that uh, collegial spirit on campus, I think that's uh, most important. That's one of the things that I've seen over time that uh, we're able to connect with students, that we, we listen, that we care, that we can uh, talk with them. I think as long as we can... can uh, uh, maintain a sense of uh, collegiality, uh, that we communicate, that we're able to uh, talk as faculty members uh, one to another about uh, various challenges. Uh, I think that's important. Uh, I'm hopeful that we never get too big to, to not be able to do that, not to, not to be able to listen to everyone. And I think if we can continue to take advantage of the expertise of our, our faculty, I think we have a lot of brilliant faculty on campus who bring a uniqueness to the university. And I think <clears throat> as long as we uh, allow that to, to happen, allow them to uh, expand, grow, and share, uh, I think we all benefit from that. 
Yeah, speaking of getting to, to know individuals, it's been a pleasure to get to know you <laughs> over the over the years that I've been here. And I thank you so much for allowing the wider audience to get to know you and a little bit of, of Gramlin's uh, history. So thank you so much, Dr. Simmons, for, for talking with us today. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to think of something I should have said, but uh, that that's always the case. But thank you for having okay. me. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history podcast, a production of the students and faculty of the Grambling State University History Department, along with faculty at the University of Arkansas. Be sure to listen in to one of our other episodes. And if you have a voice you would like to share, or have a nomination for a voice that needs to be heard, please contact the History Department of Grayling State University for more information.